I don't know how to start this. I just had a major brain fart. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to start this episode, Jason. Well, it's hard to start an episode where you're going to be talking about Satan. Satan? <laughs> All I can think about is the church lady now. Hmm, who could it be? Who could it be who goes around willy-nilly talking, shaking his hand for the men folk? Uh, Satan. Satan. That's actually a quote from Tommy Boy. The old woman in the board meeting. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Women running around with their behind shaking for the men folk. I love, I love that movie. It's one of my all-time favorites. We talk about it at least once a month. Whenever we do, 25% of our episodes have to- Tommy Boy references. I in make it. car parts for the American working man because that's who I am and that's who I care about. Uh, but we're not talking about Tommy Boy today. No, no sorry. Mm-mm. <laughs> <laughs> The reason why Jason and I are laughing so much is because we just got done recording an interview with Zachary Ah. King, who is a former Satanist turned Catholic. Yep. And his story is, disclaimer, Jason, disclaimer. Yeah. Go for it. Yeah. If you love to listen to Not Your Pastor's podcast with kids around, one, why are you doing that? Yeah. Not not a good idea. There is swearing in this occasionally. And two, definitely don't listen to this episode with kids around. Um, Unless you want to scare the shit out of them. <laughs> Look, I didn't know what else to say. You didn't even give people time to pause it, get their kids out of the room yeah. before you, you Well, cut. that's like, uh, that's how serious I am. It's This episode is not an easy one to hear. And I'll say it again in the end of this episode, but I'm... This just makes me want to cling to Jesus. This makes me just want yeah. Jesus to come back because it's like, can we, can you please Jesus come and just throw Satan and demons into the lake of fire and we could be done with this whole thing. Yeah. I mean, everything evil under the sun is mentioned in this episode. Our guest Zachary King has done it all. Our, our worse. Yeah. Uh, I mean, from being, I don't even well, like a child porn victim. Like I refuse yeah. to call uh, him a star. <laughs> no, this because is definitely the right term for victim. It, Jason. Child porn definitely the right victim term. gets wrapped up in a satanic cult for, because of his love for magic. I mean, you get you just got to listen to the you just got to listen to the interview. Uh, I do want to apologize up front. I have no idea what the interview is going to sound like. Yeah, this one so. Hopefully the audio turns out good. Yeah, so usually how we do interviews with people who are not in the state and who are not available to come into the basement with us is we we just Skype them in, just like most podcasts do. And we have uh, the technology to record that Skype call. This one we had to literally hook a cell phone straight up into our computer and then record the audio. So the audio is going to be a little tricksy. Yeah, Yeah, Zachary is legally blind, so he was not able to answer a Skype call for us. So we did our best with what we have, yeah. which is nearly nothing. Yeah, exactly. Which is a great segue for Patreon. <laughs> uh, if you got a spare buck, visit us, patreon.com backslash forward slash front slash whatever one makes Carrie Jellick not angry that I mentioned <laughs> correctly or incorrectly. NYPP, not your pastor's podcast. And you can support us on Patreon. 
help us buy better equipment so we can have more former Satanists on this podcast, <laughs> and it's great quality. Hey, Jesus works himself into this, and it's yes, amazing. absolutely. So, like, hold on tight, get to the end, it's worth it, and also some super practical advice for people who are currently pastors who don't want their churches destroyed. Yeah. I mean... It's all in this episode. So, Jason... Wait, wait, wait. Before... Before we jump into it. Can we just say, next week... Podcast of Horrors, part three. Yeah, Our third... I mean, this is already Halloween-y enough. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're, we're doubling down on the Halloween this year. Why not? Yeah. Why so, not? Uh, we're, I mean, well, you wanted to do this. This show is so dark and not very lighthearted that you wanted to do something... A little l- bit more lighthearted, a little bit more fun, so... Yeah. And still scare the crap out of you. Dave, I censored it this Dave time. Dave Duncan is coming back on the podcast. This is his third appearance on the podcast. It's going to yeah. be great. He's going to tell some more ghost stories. Uh, if you haven't listened to any of the ghost stories from two years ago that we did when Dave was on telling ghost stories, the Circle of Knickknacks he story. barely got into it. Oh, my gosh. Dude, he's got one that he told me when I was little about another pastor and what happened to their house. I've never told it to you, Alex. Oh, my gosh. It I'm is so terrifying. So we'll have to get some Halloween candy they over here. Oh, my gosh. The pastor and his wife thought somebody was attacking their house. It was not somebody, dude. It was legit terrifying i got the story is terrifying i got goosebumps right now i'm gonna make sure my dad shares that one next week for now let's just stick to satan yeah so sit back and listen to two guys who couldn't make it as pastors try and figure out this whole satan thing this is not your pastor's interview with a former satanist podcast All right, we are here with Zachary King. Hey, Zach, how's it going? All right, thanks for having me. Man, I thought of so many questions that I could ask a former Satanist. So I guess I'll start with the first. What's your favorite color? Purple. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, we were looking for yellow, yellow. (laughs) I thought it might be red. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. We we can always edit and do it again. (laughs) So, Zach, how, I mean, you got to tell us your story. I mean, I'm sure most of our listeners have no, I have never heard your story, have no idea. I mean, how, how do you become a Satanist? (laughs) Well, um, in my world, when I was a kid, now I'm 52 years old. So I was 10 years old in 1976. Okay. So you want to, I want to set the stage there because... You know, nowadays, you know, you have the internet and the world at your fingertips. In 1976, you had the public library, you know, and I was lazy. So, you know, you set me in the library and said, do all your, your schoolwork there, do all your research. And I've been like, no, <laughs> I just walked out. Um, but I had what I had done is that I had really gotten into all the fantasy movies, all the um uh, Christopher Lee and, um, Vincent Price and, uh, anything that dealt with, uh, possibly the devil or evil or magic. But, and I wanted magic to work, but you have to understand that a 10 year old's mentality and even younger than that, as I was watching these movies, 
that if you were magic, you could levitate, you could float. Hmm. But Superman floats, he flies. So, I mean, if magic were real and I could fly, that would be the most awesome thing in the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know, my that. parents, <laughs> right? So my parents were devout Baptists. Now, what that means to my parents is that they never went to church. Oh, okay. And and they, I asked them, is magic real? And they said, no, this is not anything you can do. They somehow missed all the places in the Bible where God said, don't do magical things. <laughs> you know, why would God warn you not to do something if it was impossible to do it? You know, like if, if you couldn't lie, if it was impossible to lie, thou shalt not lie wouldn't be in the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. You know, if, if it was impossible to kill somebody, thou shalt not kill wouldn't be there. So here it is, God's telling you not to do all these magic things. I mean, in the Old Testament, if you're caught doing magical things, you're stoned to death. In the New Testament, if you're caught, you don't inherit the kingdom of God. Neither one of these options seem very positive. But, you know, my, my, my parents and my Baptist preacher said magic is impossible. It's just something they do in a movie. And so, you know, at 10 years old, I was like, all right, so I'm going to do a magic spell in real life. But now you have to also remember that I'm a little nerdy kid. I'm already made fun of every day for whatever it is that I do. So I know I can't tell somebody, hey, I'm going to go try a magic spell in real life and see if it works. Because that's just one more thing for them to make fun of me for. So I do a magic spell. And I decide I'm going to do it for money. Because I thought nobody gets hurt in that. Somebody loses money. Somebody else finds it. Big deal. So I did that. And the next day I found a can of tennis balls with a $5 bill in it. I thought, all right, I, I don't need the tennis balls, but I could use the five bucks. 1976, I don't know how old you guys are, but uh, comic books were 15 to 20 cents. Candy bars were 20 cents, and penny candy was a penny. So, you know, I'm thinking five bucks, it's a, it's a decent score. Now, also at school during that time, um, I was in fifth grade, and we had this game that just blazed a trail right through the school called Bloody Mary, or I Hate You, Bloody Mary. Oh, I've, I've done that. Yeah, so we went into a bathroom, for those uh, listeners that don't have any clue, uh, and if you don't have any clue, go ask your kids or your grandkids, because I guarantee you they've heard of this. You go into the bathroom, you turn out the lights, and you, you chant a phrase X number of times. And they say if you do it right, you get the spirit of a burn victim will show up in the mirror. But it's not a burn victim, it's a demon. So we went in, I was told at the first break, meet us in there. So on the first break, I'm in the bathroom with boys and girls, about 50 of us total, and we turn out the light and we chant this phrase. And suddenly, this scary face appears in the mirror, and 49 kids run screaming out of the bathroom. No way. Something actually showed up? Something showed up. It's messed 49, up. Like scared. I said, 49 <laughs> people ran out of the bathroom, scared, you know, as can be. One child, one idiot, I can call the child an idiot because it was me, decided, that's the coolest thing in the world. Huh. I said a phrase 11 times, and now suddenly... This scary face appeared. Now, you want to know how dumb we are as kids? If it's in the mirror, it's standing next to me. Mm, I'm not. Oh, I already don't like mirrors to begin with. I never even thought about that. <laughs> it, you know, it's like 
you're a kid. You're looking in the mirror. You're thinking it's in the mirror. Uh, but it's not in the mirror. It's standing oh, next no. to me. No. I just I just ruined your day, didn't I? Yeah. That's, so. <laughs> oh, I don't like mirrors. They're, they're terrifying. So, um, so and uh, just to let your listeners know, to make a magic spell work, you need repetition, intention, and demonic presence. So for the people that have tried Harry Potter spells and said, well, these things don't work, like, well, praise God it didn't work. That meant there wasn't a demon present. Because uh -huh. from being a high wizard for, you know, 12 years and being involved in magic for, oh, uh, gosh, let me see, from the time I was 10 till I was almost 40, the magic spells in Harry Potter are real. All of them? I mean, them? she even admits, she admits in a... Uh, J.K. Rowling uh, what, admits in an interview. Yeah, J.K. Rowling admits in a, a 1999 radio interview that one-third of her research went into occult books huh. and that she put spells into her books so it would make the, the books authentic. So ocular reparo can fix glasses? If you do it right and there's a demon present. No! <laughs> I'll just buy I'll buy new ones. Yeah, I'll, I'll just... <laughs> I'll just uh, I'll just keep to the Zinni optical. <laughs> so, um, well, yeah, actually, since we're on the the subject of of Harry Potter, uh, I'll just go ahead and totally ruin it for you. Oh, the the rest of it. Um, there's an exorcist named Father Chad Ripperger, and he did an exorcism a few years ago. And while he, uh, when the demon manifested itself. He bound it in the name of Christ and made it identify itself. Don't say you have the most power over a demon if you know its name. And um, it identified itself as one of the six. And, you know, that doesn't identify anything to me. I'm like, so what's that mean? And he didn't know what that meant either. So he made it further clarify. So apparently J.K. Rowling, through automatic writing, asked... To be possessed by demons so that she could write a hit series so six demons possessed her and she wrote the harry potter series no, so for the people that are like people that are saying this is the best series they've ever read well it came from the body of jk rowling's but it didn't come from her mind oh you know, it's like six demons helped her write it and then she included real magic spells in it um, and you can verify this because you you were a high wizard for. Well, I can verify that the spells are real because okay. I mean I, I used to do magic. Um, it wasn't Father Chad Ripperger that told me the story. It was a different exorcist. But the the this exorcist was friends with Father Ripperger, and you know if you want to look up Father Ripperger, um, he has tons of homilies on YouTube tons of talks and he is um an exorcist within the fssp community which is the fraternal society of saint peter it's the latin rite part of the catholic church so the traditionalists mm. yeah i'll have to check him out now you talking about your parents growing up baptist that's what my background is it's probably what a lot of our listeners background is and when you say there's your parents said there's no such thing as magic or are demons or anything of that nature? I grew up in the oh, same. Oh no, no. no oh, okay. Demons, demons are real. Okay. Well, I, I mean, just I grew up in the same fashion. There is no such thing as magic. And to add to that, 
even into my 20s, the church I was attending would say, there's no, I mean, demons existed at the time of Jesus, but demons don't exist today. Yeah, we also grew up with, my Baptist church taught that um, Jesus defeated the devil 2,000 years ago, and he's no threat to us now. Yeah, that's that's exactly what I was taught growing up. You know, and it, and it's like, okay, then who do we blame all the evil of the world on? Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I wrote a book. Um, it came out in May of this year, and it, the name of it is "Abortion Is a Satanic Sacrifice." Yeah, I've heard you tell this I mean, story before, and it's like I don't know if I want to hear it again. But okay. I, I want our listeners to no, hear okay, it. Okay, let's let's get to that in a minute. So you're you're telling your story. You're roughly ten years old. You're in the bathroom. You do yeah. a Bloody Mary chant. A demon manifests itself, and then continue. Everybody else runs in fear. I'm fascinated by um, by what I just made transpire. So. You know, and at the same time as this, I'm trying this magic spell at home. So on uh, on Friday, I do a magic spell. On Saturday, I go out and play, find a can of tennis balls with a $5 bill in it. But I'm thinking, all right, that could have been a coincidence. So the next weekend, I did it again. Went out and found a $10 bill on the side of the road. I'm thinking, all right, I can nickel and dime my way up to being a millionaire, but it still could have been a coincidence. <laughs> So I go in the bathroom. It's the following Friday. I have a bathroom, my own private bathroom in my bedroom, in my house. So I do the magic spell one more time, but this time I do the Bloody Mary chant. Mm. And when the face appears, I make sure it knows that I'm doing a spell for money. I try my best to convince it I'm doing a spell for money. Because I'm not sure what this thing is that's manifesting in the mirror. But maybe I this is a, a power that I can harness. So does it do anything can, or say anything or no? Okay, no, it's, it's just, just there. there. Okay, it's just there. You know, and I I assess it the the law of bulldogs. Bulldogs have an ugly face, but they were born that way. Okay, maybe, yeah, this thing's ugly, but. You know, we were taught it was the spirit of a burn victim, and clearly that can't be a pretty face after that. So, and it, it's not smiling or snarling. It doesn't look happy or sad. It's just there. Uh, so, oh. so <laughs> 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 I live for that moment. Uh, so, um, so uh, I finish out my spell, and the next day I go out and I'm playing. I'm in a large unpaid parking lot. And I find what looks like Monopoly money rolled up tight in rubber bands. And I stick that in my pants pocket and go about playing. And at the end of the day, you know, it's like after my, me and my brother have taken our baths and my parents are in bed and they're asleep and I'm in my bedroom and my, uh, my light's out. I've got a flashlight in my mouth and a sheet up over my head unraveling all these rubber bands. And when I finished unraveling everything, the reason it looked like Monopoly money is because I'd never seen a $100 bill. And when I unraveled everything, I had 10 $100 bills. <laughs> uh, and now I am 100% convinced that magic is real and it works. Oh, man. And I'm probably never going to tell my parents this little gem, 
you know, parents and adults don't know everything, and this is clearly something else they don't know. And, you know, I go about my life, but um, now I'm figuring that anything that I want, I mean, you know, the other things that I really like, I've really gotten into this rock band called Kiss, and they had a double album that was $6.99. Think how many of those I could buy with $1,000. You know, I can buy them for me and my friends. Yeah. You know, I can buy any whatever candy I want. If I want a new pair of tennis shoes, I mean, I've got 25 pair of shoes, but my mom's not going to keep up with what she bought me and what she didn't. You know, I can buy whatever clothes I want, whatever things I want, toys I want. And my parents, I have a lot of everything that I want anyway. So if I buy extra, they're not going to know that they didn't buy me something. Yeah. And and that's how I'm I'm doing everything except that it's my money that I'm buying it with. And my parents don't have any clue. You know, my parents own two companies and they're always at work. And they don't really check on me and my brother. My brother has special needs, so most of their attention is going to him anyway. Okay. They're not really checking on stuff that I'm doing and I'm ten years old. What kind of trouble can I possibly get in? I mean, in 1976, in our neighborhood, we, I grew up in a really nice neighborhood, and every adult paid attention to everything you did, because if you were caught doing something dumb, they'd call your parents. Yeah. You know, so I could, when I got home, at the end of the day, if I did something stupid in the neighborhood, my dad was there to talk to me about it. Couldn't get away with anything, really. When I was 11 years old, at school... I was the victim of a sexual assault mm. at the hands of a female teacher who told me that it was my idea. I wanted to do it. I enjoyed it. And if I told anybody, I would get in trouble. You know, I would be expelled from school. I would go to prison for the rest of my life. I mean, she told me a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm 11 years old. I believed what she said. I, 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 I it was not my idea. Oh, that's I, terrible. Yeah, tricked into this, but, um, you know, I, I believe that I'm the one that's going to get in trouble for this. It never occurred to me that she's lying to me. If she's a teacher. Why, why would she lie? I, I believe I was raised that teachers don't lie, that they're always telling the truth, you know, and you're in the wrong. You know, if you're being punished, it's because you're wrong. Yeah, teachers are supposed to be safe. Right. Hmm. And, um, but the, the thing that gave me comfort and solace was magic. So I just dove further into that. When I was 12, now, during all this time, I started playing D&D when I was 10. Uh, it came out two years prior to that, and all the older teenagers played it. And I wanted, I was friends with some older teenagers because of my church. So I wanted to be cool with them. And there was nothing really except for God that connected me to these older teenagers. You know, and then they're at school Monday through Friday, so I don't see them then. I see them every Sunday. Mm -hmm. But but if I could get so that I liked D&D, &D, which I didn't like it when I first started playing, it was hard. You know, but if I got so that I could get into it and like it, then I would also see them on Saturday. You know, and that would be totally cool. Because I'd be like the only ten-year-old, yeah, hanging out, hanging out with fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen-year-olds, and so I got into D and D, 
and I got really good at it. And, you know, so I get to be playing with these older kids. And in that, I'm always a wizard or a sorcerer. So I'm, I'm, you know, trying to do magic all the time. And, um, so then at 12 years old, this kid, my same age that used to play with us when we were 10 and then he just disappeared. I thought he moved because he stopped going to school and he stopped hanging out with us on Saturday. And it turned out that this kid was a satanic recruiter. Hmm. But I, I did not know 10? that. At such a young at, age? Well, at this age, we were 12. Okay. So, yes, at this young age. That's still crazy so, young. It, it is. Um, he came to our D&D group, and we hadn't seen him in a couple of years. And he, we were like, where did you go? I thought you moved away. He was like, no, I got homeschooled. And I've started hanging out with these other guys. And uh, we play D&D campaigns every weekend. And... Um, they also think that magic is real. Well, I'm like, well, I know magic is real, so maybe I go check these guys out. So I went with him to this house. <clears throat> and these guys, um, you know, at my house, we have, uh, I think about a 19 inch TV in my living room. It's color. And then in mine and my brother's room, we have a 13 inch black and white TV. Yeah. Well, there they've got a 50 inch projection screen. You know, at my house, in my bedroom, I have a couple of posters up on the walls. Of, like rock and roll events. One of them is an actual concert, concert poster of the Moody Blues. But I had never seen them. I just thought the poster looked cool. Yeah. But there they have autographed rock and roll guitars on the walls actual rock bands stuff they have um a couple of silver gold and platinum albums up on the wall i had never seen anything like that before and then they also have um pictures of rock stars and actors and all these things are autographed and then posters and things like that and i'm just eating this up i mean i love i i own an atari i've owned i got an atari when i was like 10 or 11 and but they have actual full-size video games. They have the Atari also. You can play on a 50-inch TV. But they have real-size things that you put a quarter in and it plays. Except you don't have to put the quarter in. You just flick a switch. And they have pinball machines. And I love those things. You know, and at my house, you can get three meals a day and a snack if mom's in a good mood. Over here, you want to have Snicker bars all day? Go ahead. You want to eat chips all day? You want to have pizza for every meal? Whatever it is you want to do, that, that's cool. You know, they have uh, an in-ground swimming pool and a huge barbecue pit. And any time that you say, wouldn't it be cool if we had barbecue today? They just have a barbecue right then. Huh. They just set everything up and just do it for you. You know, and it was like, anything you want to do is cool there. It, you can't get in trouble for doing the wrong thing because there's no wrong thing. There's no sinning. You know, it's like, here, why don't you smoke this? You know, you'll, you know, you know, it goes great after a meal, smoke a cigarette. You know, if you want to eat extra here, smoke this joint and you'll get the munchies. It sounds like uh, every 12 year old's dream. Right. Specifically you know, the and, pinball machines. You had me at pinball machines. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and you know better than to tell your parents anything. 
you know that if you tell your parents, this activity is going to stop, you know, and you don't want this activity to stop. You know, I tell people in my talks, my parents were the no police, you know, and everybody that's listening to you right now within the sound of your voice is probably the no police. You know, it's like, Dad, there's a new movie coming out on Saturday. Can I go? No. Dad, the Moody Blues are coming to town, you know, next Saturday. Can I go to that? No. Dad, no. And eventually, I just look at my dad a certain way, and he'd be like, no. <laughs> I feel like I'm that, I'm that sometimes. <laughs> so well, you have to be that way. Your job is to get your kids into heaven, not yeah. to be their friend. Yeah, you know? that's true. And, and, I mean, you have to discipline them. They have to know that for their actions, there's accountability. You know, you do something good, there's a reward. You do something bad, there's a punishment. That's the way life works, you know, but I wasn't being groomed that way. I was being groomed that my parents were the bad guys. They wouldn't let me do anything, but anything you want to do, come here. You know, anything you want to do is okay. They told me what happened to me when I was 11 years old was atrocious. That should have never happened to anybody. Yeah. Now, now here's the chance to get your power back. Now, you know, Satan basically lies every step of the way. Okay. You know, Satan tries to sell you a bag of goods. It's never what he's promising you. You know, it's like you get this giant box that's covered in glitter and lights, and you look inside of it, and he tells you, don't examine it too closely, you know, because it's filled with gold bars. If you examine it too closely, you'll see that it's gold-colored aluminum foil covering dog crap. <laughs> but... Yeah, as long as you're not checking too close, it's a box of gold bars, you know, and it's everything you want. Now, you have to give him your soul to be able to, to do that. But, um, you know, he's still, you know, he's making you all these promises of what he'll give you. He never delivers what he promises. And you obviously, you can't sell your soul anyway. You can't sell what you don't own. So just in case there's anybody out there within the sound of my voice that's thinking, oh my gosh, I sold my soul and whatever. You cannot, I mean, you guys, can you sell me, you you mentioned your friend Alex, can you legally sell me Alex's car? I mean, I could try. Legally. (laughs) No, not legally. Legally, you cannot sell his car because you don't own it. That's the same reason you can't sell your soul. God died for you. Jesus paid the ultimate price for your soul. You can't loan it. You can't lease it. You certainly can't sell it. You may have heard that the devil was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. I'm I'm here to tell you, if the devil tells you good morning, get a second opinion. (laughs) So is is that what you have to do to to become a Satanist? Do you have to sell your soul? Yes. Yeah, it, it's, it's one of the, the major requirements um, in, in becoming a Satanist is that you sell your soul. And most of the people that do this really believe that they've done it. Now, a lot of people have the, the thought process of, if I do this later in life, I'll just convert to being a Christian. I'll just go back to God. You know, the, the, the downside to that is that none of us know when we're going to die. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you've given your will to the devil, 
Like within the Catholic Church, if you want to give your will back to God, you go to confession. You know, once you've got absolution, your will has gone back to God. Now, you might still have to get a deliverance because you might have cursed yourself in some way. Or you might be possessed and you might need an exorcism. But your soul, which never left you and didn't go into the devil's possession, all you can do is give your will to the devil. So you go to confession, you go, your will goes back to God. So it's, it's not like the soul never, never changed hands. But, you know, the devil will continue to lie to you because he wants you to launch into despair. You know, because also within the Catholic Church, we have mortal sins and venial sins. So despair is a mortal sin. You know, mortal sins send you to hell, venial sins don't. Hmm. So the um, at, at 12 years old, though, they told me that I had um, lost, you know, my power. And now is my chance to get it back, which, you know, we don't none of us have power. But I, I bought into that. There's another lie I bought into. And um, they said that now I can do that. I can do sexual acts anytime I want. That if I feel uncomfortable, I can say no and walk away. No one can say no to me. And they'll film it and make me famous and mm. possibly rich. Now, I didn't get rich off this. And I was in kiddie porn from the time I was 12 till I was about 16. And I'm thinking that I'm winning every weekend, but the reality is I'm being sexually assaulted every weekend. I'm being abused constantly, thinking that I'm at the top of my, my game and, and my world is incredible. And, you know, I'm the luckiest kid in the world. Now, when I was almost 13, another older kid told me, you know this is a satanic coven, right? And I laughed it off. Because, you know, all the movies that I saw, when the bad guy is on screen, I mean, it's just shy of, remember the old Adam West Batman series? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When when the bad guy shows him on the screen, the screen tilts. Yeah. It's almost that bad in 60s and 70s horror films. You know, suddenly... The, the screen got darker. The music got eerie. You know, you could tell who the bad guy was and who the good guy was. There was no questions. You know, so everybody that I'm hanging out with is cool and nice. You know, and, but I went to an adult, you know, and I was like, I got to find out for certain. So I was like, hey, you're going to laugh, but uh, I heard this is a satanic coven. Crazy, right? And he said, it is. And my heart stopped and dropped into my stomach. And, uh, you know, I was like, am, am, am I a member? No, not yet. Would you like to be? And this is when I had to do my assessments, you know, and, and I have, I have people at all my talks that are like, you know, you're, why would you, you're, you're almost 13 years old. Why would you possibly? say yes to the devil and it's like well because my parents say no to every single thing i want to do no matter what it is and these people always say yes we defeated the devil two thousand years ago so he's no threat and the devil lets me do whatever i want clearly the devil is not the bad guy god is the bad guy 
because God stops everything you want to do. Hmm. I tell you what, so, Zach, I'm going to go to our church right now and recommend they get some projection screens, some pinball machines, <laughs> an in-ground pool. Like, oh, this is this is no, this is quite ter- terrifying. So you know, in my mind, in in my you know five minutes to assess, do I want to be a Satanist or do I want to stay a Christian? I'm looking at it as oh, let me see. I smoke cigarettes every day. You got to be. 19 years old to buy cigarettes, I'm 12. I'm addicted to porn, and I look at porn almost every day, and you got to be 18 to buy porn. I'm still 12. I'm getting drunk most days. I am drunk usually before school starts, and you got to be 21 to buy booze. I'm still 12. And I take illegal drugs almost every day and definitely every weekend. I don't even know where to buy those. But at 12 years old, no clue. And I'm having sex at least every weekend. Hmm. And these people that I'm having sex with, because it's kids my age, younger kids, older kids, and adults, they all belong to this coven. If I quit this coven, I'm not going to have sex anymore. So what do I got to do? So they give me a document. I have to slice my left thumb and bleed onto the document, and I have to sign it in three places in my blood. The blood of Jesus washes away all sin, but not mine. Hmm. Jesus died for everybody, but not me. And on the final page of a five-page document, I agree to sell my soul to the devil. It doesn't seem like that big of a deal to me because for the last nine or ten months, the devil's told me yes. Everything I wanted to do is yes. Hmm. So that's Anything how you, I want to do. So that's how you get in. It's a direct denial of Jesus signed off in your blood. Right. I wow, sign it in three places in my blood. And then we have a coven meeting one night where all the members are there. And I come into a room, I'm wearing a white robe with the cowl raised, and it signifies that you're in a world of innocence. Um, you climb inside a vat, it's a baptismal for Satanists basically. It's filled with human blood, pig's blood, mm. and human urine. It's full submersion. Ugh. You come up, you go into another room and you take a shower. You come out in a black robe with the towel raised, signifying you've been baptized into a world of darkness. You sit in a chair. They hand you a wheel with a crucifix in it. They read off the document you, you signed the night before. After the document has been read, you show your thumb to show that it's your blood that you did sign in. You then take the crucifix and spin it upside down that signifies human sacrifice. And then you take the arms and you break them downward. And that signifies denouncing Christ. Now what you're left with looks like a peace sign. And they take this document and they intertwine it with that. And they say that this is now going to be locked in a vault and your soul is forever tied to this. And that you cannot go to God. Even if you wanted to, you can't go to church. There's, 
on no, there's no realm, no world where you can go to God for anything. God now recognizes that you sold your soul to the devil and you can never get it back. Now, for people that believe that, you know, not only is that impossible to do, but that also means that you doubt the power of God. You're saying that the cabinet is stronger than the cabinet maker. You know, that the creature is stronger than the God that created him. Yeah. And that's total crap. Hmm. So, and then there's a party afterwards to celebrate that I'm now a Satanist. But the reality of that party is that you're celebrating one day you're going to die and go to hell. Hmm. I continued um, at, at that point. I really delved further into magic because that's totally consumed me. Um, I'll uh, I'll skip my my famous story. Um, but if anybody wants to know my uh, the, the story that that was referred to earlier was my first abortion. Um, if you go to allsaintsministry.org, that's my website. I have an interviews page, and I have three interviews on there that are marked uh, graphic content or adult content. And I go into graphic detail of my first abortion. I was 14 years old when I did it. And it, it is... Um, a very macabre story. It's extremely nefarious. Um, it is very disgusting. And I give it when I give talks if they ask for the adult version of my conversion story. Hmm. So, yeah, my first abortion happened when I was 14. I totally committed. Um, it's just... And, and by total, I mean... When I came out of organized Satanism was when I was about 33. I'm skipping ahead a little bit here, but okay. I'll be going back to where I was. But um, I totally did 146 assisted abortions. You, that's insane. Like in clinics or most of them in clinics, yes. How does that even like? Because you're not a doctor, or I am not a doctor. My job is to assist. Okay. And if you're there with an abortion doctor, an abortion nurse, uh, there's usually, at our events, there'd be an attorney and a social worker, because if the baby lives, it's going to be adopted. Hmm. So, I mean, I, I don't mean to interrupt you. I mean, I don't, like, what's the, why, what's the, how does it tie to a, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, how does it tie to you're a satanic? How does it tie to a satanic ritual? Like, what's the allurement? Like, why does, why does Satan want the baby? Blood and death. Okay. Not to switch subjects, but I'm kind of abortioned out. I guess <laughs> it's a... it, it's just hard for me to hear because I have a I have a young daughter, and I used to help out with a crisis pregnancy center uh, in the city of Flint to try and get persuade women to not go to abortion clinics. Mm -hmm. And to, to keep their babies and to either, you know, give them the resources they need to raise them themselves or to set up the, the process to adopt the baby once it's born. But I'm kind of curious as to, so we left off at age 14. How did you get to Grand High Wizard? Is, is, is that, was that the title that you were given? Well, High Wizard. High Wizard, High Wizard. okay. So 
when um I'll see when I was 18 years old I graduated from high school and I was going off to college and I really I mean I grew up in a small town and my coven had between 120 and 150 members it fluctuated and you know I'm going off to college and this is before the internet there, there's no message boards there's no AOL you know, there's, there's no way to surf a web. There's no web. And I really want to join another satanic coven, but I don't know how I'm going to find one. You know, it, it's not like they're going to advertise it in the town square. Well, I found it because when I went off to college, they advertised it in the town square. Um, the school opened on the first day of classes was Wednesday. And every Wednesday, there's an area called the Student Union, and they open up their area. There's tables and chairs and people, and they recruit students. And so there's the Baptist and the Catholic Student Union, the Republican, the Democrat, and the Monarchy Party Student Union. Monarchy Party was a lot of fun, got to tell you. <laughs> they try to elect a king and a queen to student council. And... uh and then there was the Satanic Student Union. And uh, so I went to a couple of their meetings for the, you know, these are kids away from home for the first time with no adult supervision. Think that Satan is all about getting drunk, getting high, having sex. Well, I've been doing that since I was 12. Mm-hmm. I don't need a Satanic Coven for that. But, and, and they do magic spells like that they seem to make up on the spot. You know, and then they're not really worshiping the devil. We have this meeting is on every Saturday. And then Sunday, everybody goes to church. You know, this is just like a club meeting to go to. And they're not trying to break up the church. They're just, this is their social event that they go to the night before going to church. You know, that's not what I'm looking for. You know, I had heard that there was a satanic cult out there that wanted to rule the world. Now, ruling the world would be the coolest thing ever, especially if I could somehow be a key player in that. That would be fun. <laughs> so I, I called my my first coven, and I was like, hey, this is what I'm looking for. Is that real? And they're like, you're looking for the world church of Satan or Satan's world church. And I was like, all right. And so they gave me a phone number and an address, and I started going to these meetings. Now, these meetings are held in a building that's like the size of a super Walmart. But it's like this giant party. I mean, you show up, you give them a, a code name, which is really funny because it, it's a giant parking lot. Everybody's car is there. It's a giant building. You're going, I mean, you're going to go in there and party with thousands of people and it's like, how is it that we have to have a code word to get in? And, you know, so I'm in there and I've gone to a few of these meetings. Now, let's flash back to me being 13 years old at a sleepover. And one night I got up, it was like three o'clock in the morning. I've got to go to the bathroom, get a drink of water. And I see this guy walking through the house. He's dressed in a tuxedo. He's got a top hat and a wand and he's got corpse paint on his face. He looks like a member of KISS dressed in a tuxedo. (laughs) 
I thought that was the coolest look ever. So the next day, the next day, I'm like, hey, what was this? Who was this? And they're like, you dreamed that. No, 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 no. I saw this last night. No, you didn't. Okay. So I know this is an adult just trying to keep a secret from me. One day, I'll find out who this is. I'll just, you know, store that away somewhere and, you know, one day. So one day happened when I was 18. I was at this party and I saw this guy, different guy, but same look. Tuxedo, top hat, wand, corpse paint. I grabbed some guy next to me that I'd been partying with and I was like, who is that? What is that? How can I do that? And he's like, who ran your coven? Where you came from? And I said, well, we had a really big coven and we had 13 high priests and priestesses. And they're like, okay, well, here, we're a pretty big coven as well. We're run by a CEO and board of directors. And the people that do our official magic are called high wizards. I said, how many are there? The guy had no idea. I said, how do I do that? He had no idea. And that was when I was 18. When I was 21, I got a notice that I was supposed to appear before the CEO and board of directors. And I was terrified because usually when that happens, you never see this person again. Hmm. And you don't, you don't know what happens to them. You know, it's not like, you know, they disappear and then you can ask them, Hey, what happened to that person? You know, you never see that person again. And everybody acts like that person never existed. So, you know, I don't want to be the guy that disappears. I, I, I'm not looking to end up on the back of a milk garden. So, but I get called into this meeting. I actually went out and I, I didn't have to be there for like 30 days. So I went out and actually bought a pistol and a bunch of ammo. <laughs> I thought, I'm going to die. You coming with me. And uh, it turned out that wasn't what was happening. They actually let me know that the devil's supposed to handpick you to be the high wizard. So the devil said that I showed promise. Uh, they put me in a room with 21 basic costumes, told me that I could wear any one of these or custom design my own look. But you're going to wear the corpse paint. That was definite. And you're going to wear the top hat because that's definite. Uh, my tuxedo was like an 1800s style tuxedo. But then I modernized it a little bit with a duster. And then I wore... Um, Harley Davidson boots. I thought it looked cool. <laughs> and uh, you're the high wizard. No one's going to tell you it doesn't look cool. <laughs> you might look silly, silly as all heck, but no one's going to tell you that. Yeah. Um. So, and then you're given this this book. It's called the High Wizard Handbook, and and which is looks as hokey as it sounds. It's drawn in like animation and cartoon form. And the first page of it starts off, no one can tell you what to do. Okay. Now, you know, I, I still have the same mentality as when I was 12, you know, that I, I want to be on top of the world. And this book is telling me that that is now the position I have. You know, no one can tell me no for anything. 
I can do anything I want. Yeah, that, there's the law that exists for everybody else, but it doesn't pertain to you. Hmm. You know, you're going to fly around the world if you have a passport or not. You don't need one. You know, governments want to talk to you. You know, anything that you want to do, you can do. If somebody wants you to do a magic spell, now that is your job. You do the official magic of the coven. But if somebody, somebody has to ask you to do a magic spell, they can't tell you. They can't order you. And if you don't want to do it, you don't have to. I only turned down somebody one time and I didn't actually turn them down. I, I did, but I, it, I just waited a, a little bit before I did it. Cause I mean, people are paying your coven big money for these spells. And you'd be stupid to have a reputation of turning somebody down. So you would stop paying. So your coven is flying you all over the world. People are requesting spells and your coven sends you out to to complete the magic or spell or Right, but not everything you do is magic. Okay. I mean sometimes people um the first year you're the high wizard and this is no matter who it is it's there. The first year um you're introduced to Bohemian growth. So you you're going to you're gonna tap Grove. into my conspiracy side <laughs> now. So you, you've been to Bohemian Grove? 18 times. 18 times? Jason yeah, is giddy everybody... right now. His, his conspiracy <laughs> bone in his body. Don't they, most people, don't they worship most people are... Molech? Um, I mean, that's exactly. what YouTube has taught me. No, not exactly. Okay. Um, they have a, a giant owl statue and some altars. Um, there's a, an event that happens every July called Cremation of Care. And if you watch Alex Jones' video, the person he describes that he can see is a high wizard. Okay. Uh, a high wizard is who runs the Cremation of Care event. Um, I would imagine back when that started a hundred or so years ago, uh, they probably did actually sacrifice a young child yeah. every year. Now, That's terrifying. Now they don't actually kill the child, but it appears to be dead. Hmm. Um, and he just gets drugged back behind a curtain that nobody can see. And, uh, he has electrodes hooked up to his body and they shock him pretty bad. He screams and he passes out. That's but awful. it's not the pain that he passes out from. It's the drug he's been given. Wait, we need and then to, when I'm sorry, we need to back up a minute for our listeners who don't know what Bohemian Grove is. Can you explain that? It, As, since you've a, been there 18 times, I feel like you could explain it better than I can. <laughs> it, it's a place on the side of a mountain um, surrounded by redwoods and... There's a couple of log cabins there. There's a couple of buildings. And then there's portable units that come in for the event. Um, it's politicians, rock stars, actors, but also a lot of gay porn stars and gay prostitutes. Uh, there's no women allowed. Um, it's a place for the rich and famous to hobnob with 
other rich and famous and famous people. Yeah, you're talking uh, about for, for, former presidents, politicians, right? Not just right, not just um, senators. You know, if you go on YouTube and look up, there's a video. It's uh, what's an audio clip of um, oh, what was his name? He was the president in the 1970s. Um, Nixon, Gerald Nixon. Ford, or Nixon. Jimmy Carter. <laughs> Alex is a president's Nixon. guy, so he knows them all. <laughs> <laughs> it was Nixon, and there's an audio clip of him talking to somebody about Bohemian Grove. And it's been authenticated. This is an actual audio of our former president. And they ask him if he's going back, and he said no. It, it's only about two hours outside of San Francisco. And he makes a comment about that. He said it's too close to San Francisco and there's too many well, uh, homosexuals, is, but he's, it's not the term he uses. Okay. He uses a derogatory term. And, um, so too many homosexuals and he doesn't want to go back. Um, I was there in 87 for the first time and I met Ronald Reagan there and I went to shake his hand and he looked at me and lean backwards and wouldn't shake my hand, which actually made me happy because I voted for Reagan. And uh, it made me pleased that he wouldn't shake the Satanist hand. <laughs> um, I was told when I was there that every president we've ever had, with the exception of one, was put in the office by the Illuminati. Hmm. Now, since one of, your guy, one of you guys is a president's guy, want to take a guess? Every every president in American history, but, right? But one. Now now this was before uh, Trump, and I'm going to go out on a limb and say that Trump is not with the Illuminati. And the reason I say that is because during that 2016 election, he said that Hillary worked for the Illuminati. I'm going to guess if he's throwing somebody under the bus is working for them, he's probably not. Hmm. Or it's the trickiest trick ever. <laughs> or, yeah, that's possible as well. The trickiest trick. That'll be the name of my new band. The trickiest uh, trick. Uh, <laughs> so take a guess which president wasn't in the... Is that is that the question still? Yeah, he's asking you which yes. which president wasn't selected by the Illuminati. Oh, I don't know. I think I know no. the answer. Uh, no, you know you know it's not Reagan because he was there. <laughs> uh, can I get a hint? Can I get a time frame? Uh oh, man, that that would really give it away. So, I'll, I'll say um, between nineteen hundred and two thousand. At okay, because I was I was going to say Lincoln because the Republican Party was against that was like their whole thing was against slavery and I feel like Satan would be down with slavery, so I was going to go with Lincoln. But now that you say that, um, <laughs> dang, I was. What about um, Eisenhower? Just go take a wild guess since he was a general. I don't know. No. Anybody else want to take a guess? Jimmy Carter. That is correct. Oh, who out-presidented Alex? That was my second guess. <laughs> Actually, I already knew the answer. Go. Continue. Oh, that's not fair. <laughs> that's not fair. 
the, um, the, but the reason was because they figured no one's going to vote for this redneck peanut farmer. <laughs> and there was no point in them pushing their candidate. And um, so they, they just let it go. Who was Reagan, I think, wasn't it? Him and Reagan went up against each other. Or no, it was Ford. And Ford. Yeah. And then the, for the next election, they were like, oh, heck no. You know, we're pushing the heck out of our guy. And um, their guy, I mean, Reagan won like, what, all but one state? Yeah, something like that. Something crazy. So, yeah, so I mean, I, so I got to meet all these um, dignitaries, kings and queens. I mean, we, we actually, well, I didn't meet queens there, but I've met kings and queens being a high wizard and presidents and um, rock stars. I mean, I tell people that if you had a hit song, now this is not people that were famous in the 70s that had a hit song in the 80s. That, that, those people met their high wizard before I was a high wizard. But from 87 to 99, you signed a deal with me. Huh. I made you famous. It was the Foo Fighters, wasn't it? Just ruin it for Jason. <laughs> that would ruin it. <laughs> not, not Dave Grohl. I love Dave Grohl. Yeah, but, but the Foo Fighters got famous because of Kurt Cobain. Kind of. Kurt, Kurt, Kurt Cobain was a Satanist. No, you're done ruining stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so like what are these what are these i mean other i could see musicians asking for hit songs well i mean what, what are other people okay, asking for well, well what happens for for a rock band and there's a thing called a warehouse deal it's a place where they go in like hollywood or la and the high wizard shows up uh your publisher or your your director your producer your agent, somebody puts you in contact with, you need to go here if you want to be famous. These people show up, a high wizard shows up, you walk through this room, and I'm looking for who catches my eye. And it could be anything that catches my eye. It, it may not be that you have a talent. Maybe you have a look. I ask who wants to be famous. Well, everybody says they want to be famous. So I say, what are you willing to do to be famous? Most people have a line in the sand they draw. You know, they say, well, I would do anything, but nothing with animals or children. Well, you've got morals. Satan doesn't want you. Satan wants the person that's willing to jump in the mud and be drugged through it. So the guy that says he would do anything, and he means anything, I give them what's called a tier two card. They take this card and they go call the phone number that's on it. That's all that's on it. It's a white card with a phone number. They call the number and they go off and do whatever it is they're going to do. I had a guy that could not sing and could not dance. You could give him a Dr. Seuss book and he could not make it rhyme. Let that sink in. Hmm. I saw him six months later on MTV in the hottest boy band at the time, singing and dancing. And the only other hint, because I normally don't name drop, the only other hint I'll give you is that he was overweight. And he battled with his weight 
the entire time. He still tours, and he's still overweight. I, I don't know boy bands, so I can't. I can't You're not even... missing out. What's that? You're not missing out. <laughs> I'm sure but, some of our listeners will pick up on it. Oh, my God. But, so that was a normal practice. Um, politicians, a lot of times, want something passed, and they've tried everything to get it to pass. I mean, they've bribed somebody. They went the legal route first, and it didn't work. You know, they've tried to introduce it in some way. That didn't work. They've tried to make it a bill. That doesn't work. They've tried to grease palms. That doesn't work. And eventually, a note comes across the high wizard's desk. They need a spell for this. Now, the truth of what happens a lot of times is not a spell. It's that I look at what they're trying to do and know that they're not filling out the right paperwork. So I call the person that could get it moved through if they had the right form done in triplicate, entered 12 times. So they tell me what's needed. I put all this together and I push it through. And now suddenly they have their billion dollar deal. All they know is that they presented it to the high wizard and the high wizard got it done. You know, it, it makes me feel or makes me look like I'm all powerful. So you're not really doing anything but pushing paperwork through? Sometimes. Hmm. Sometimes it's it's not the spell you know to do. It's the person you know to talk to. Hmm. You know, I, I, I would I would like to say now I was 91 percent accurate in all my magic. I mean, they keep track of High Wizard's magic. And you had 91% like success rate? 91% success rate. But even that isn't totally accurate because if you're given a spell, most spells, you have 90 days for it to come through. If, if I did a spell and it took place in 92 days or 91 days, I don't get credit for it as a success. Hmm. It, it goes against me. It's a failure. But let's say that the spell has um, a time on it, a time frame. That sometime in the future, this will happen. Such as one of my spells that I did in the late 80s was that eventually. Well, when is eventually? I'm like, I want all my spells to be eventually. Yeah. You know, I'll have a hundred percent success rate. Um, that eventually all the TV shows. Now this was paid for by the three major networks. And I heard three different rumors as to how much money was spent on this. I heard a hundred million dollars. I heard five hundred million dollars and I heard a billion dollars. I don't know for certain because I don't actually see the money that's donated to my satanic coven. But for that much money, they wanted that eventually all the TV shows would have a homosexual character. 
And that homosexual character would be the funniest, the prettiest, the wittiest, the favorite, the most incredible. So, name a show For, that doesn't the, have a gay character. Yeah. No, the, that's the thing I've noticed, too, is that almost every... You may not see it in the first season, but as soon as the second season rolls around when they start to add new characters to a storyline, right. there's there's usually some... And it, sometimes it doesn't even make sense to why they added it in there. It's just kind of like a throw like a throwaway thing. So and you're, you're, even, con, you're confirming, or, though, that major network television companies paid a large sum of money to a satanic coven who had you perform a spell to make that so. Right. Even even your precious Harry Potter had a homosexual character in it. Yeah. But, you know, we can't blame J.K. Rowling for that. She didn't write it. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. So... Now that you've completely blown our minds, let's let's. Uh... <laughs> well, how do you, like? Yeah, you're not a Satanist anymore. I want to get. High I want to get to the Jesus stuff so I can sleep at night. <laughs> yeah. How did how did you? Uh, I mean, how did you convert well, to Catholicism? At some point, um, you know, when you have when you can sin all you want. It gets boring after a while. Can, and I, can I ask a question? Did you like meet Satan? I have uh, our CEO on occasion was possessed, and he would usually get possessed by Satan himself. Hmm. Nice guy. No, Jason. That's it. That's a unique question. No one's ever asked it like that. <laughs> Um, I will tell you, there's a guy that I've met that lives in the Chicago area that runs a a prostitution ring, and he deals with really young prostitutes, mm. human trafficking, and um, he is so evil. That being in his presence was harder than being in the CEO's presence when he's possessed by Satan himself. Hmm. So I'm guessing, though, that the devil can project whatever image he wants for you to perceive. So some people might perceive him as the good guy because he can present himself like that. Well, that would be one of the biggest decep deceptions of all time. Though. Yeah, I always thought, right. like, right. we but, picture Satan with, uh, you know, the pitchfork and the and the horns. Well, but... the, the thing is that, that demons are all spirit creatures. So they have to possess somebody to have a physical form. And they usually possess people that are extremely full of themselves and think of themselves as God's gift to the world. And that's how Satan sees himself, hmm. is God's gift to the world. So he usually possesses beautiful people. And, you know, that's how we see him. So, you know, although he is, you know, pure evil, 
Um, I was never scared of him, but I mean, that just shows you. And, and on one hand, I mean, I tell people, I teach people, you cannot be scared of the devil. He wants you to be scared. We have a saint named Padre Pio. Padre Pio has a quote. You have to think of the devil as a barking dog on a leash. If you don't get within the length of that leash, he can't get you. Unfortunately, and that's pretty much the end of the quote, we all do stupid stuff. Yeah. We all decide, oh, a, a, a pink Ouija board covered in glitter. That's pretty. I'll buy that for my daughter. Are oh, you an idiot? Man. You know, it, it's a Ouija board is a way to contact a demon, not yeah. a way to contact your dead Uncle Bob. No, my, my brother and well, my sister with some friends at a sleepover played with a Ouija board one time. And the stuff they told me... It was just little stuff like you're about to be, you know, visited, you know, by something, you know, and then a black cat runs out of the attic. No way for the cat to get into the attic, just bolts out of the attic across them and out the door. They never see it again. And they didn't own a black cat. And just weird stuff like that. I don't mess with Ouija boards there. So they're like. They sell them at Target, twenty nine ninety nine. They used to sell them at Toys R Us. Well, not anymore. Toys R Us is gone. <laughs> yeah, and uh, well, back in the day, Lionel Playworld. Yeah, that, that that was that was before Toys R Us, and and they still sell them at um, Spencer Gifts, and they sell planchette earrings at Hot Topic. So those are all like demon possessed or. Um, there's a good chance if you buy something like that, you could end up with something that brings a visitor with it. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, I had a, um, had a friend named Father Chris. He was, uh, an exorcist. And he, one year, dealt with 11 cases of possession the entire year. And then the following year, he had 11 cases of possession all summer. So, I mean, that year it was blown away. It was just out of the water crazy. But his 11 cases um, were all different socioeconomic backgrounds. People that are living in mansions down to a guy that's living in a box in an alley. Um, some people belong to the gym. Some people went to the church. Some people did not. Uh, Protestant, evangelical, and Catholic. Um, you know, it's like they're all over the place. Nobody, there's no single one thing that links all of them except that all of them had a complete set of Harry Potter books. <laughs> you got to stop with the Harry Potter. <laughs> I've got one. I've only got the first one. Oh, we got a complete set. <laughs> oh, Jason, get rid of it. Burn your Harry Potter books. <laughs> uh... Well, before you burn it, you want to have somebody bless it, because if you just burn it, you're just releasing those demons into the air. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, so how did you become a Catholic? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, glad I ruined your night. Anyway, yeah. um, I'm, I'm still I got to write down the name, the trickiest trick for my future band. <laughs> um, so, so, um, so I had decided at some point that I could not stand what I was doing. Now, I, I equate being a Satanist to working in a candy store. 
Now, not a candy store like in the mall, but if, if wherever you are, if you have a freestanding building that's a candy store, I mean, those things are huge. And tens of thousands of types of candy. And I equate all that candy to sinning. Like, you know, when, when you first get hired as the high wizard, they tell you, you get to travel. You get to go places. You get to meet rock stars. You get to party with thousands. You know, this is going to be the best job ever. But after you've had that job for a little bit, you have to travel. And I used to get to go to Bohemian Grove. Well, then I had to go to Bohemian Grove. Mm. I get to practice magic versus I have to practice magic. You know, I get to travel versus you have to travel. Um, you know, I'm looking at the candy store thinking, how long is it going to take me to get to try every piece of candy? Now, not the licorice because nobody wants that, but <laughs> you know, the other candy, how long is it going to get me to try that? Well, there are some sins that are disgusting. I don't want to do those sins, but the sins I want to do, how long will it take me to go through all this? Well, after six months, you tried all the candy you wanted to try. And after a year, you've even tried the licorice. So after a year, you've done the sins that you said you'd never do. Mm. And after a little bit longer, you find that you enjoy everything. But, you know, after three years, there, there used to be these lights that hang down from the ceiling. And it's like yellow lights on yellow wrappers and red lights on red wrappers and blue lights on blue wrappers. And you thought whoever came up with that idea was genius. But now after three years, you're kind of nauseous at those lights. Mm -hmm. There are these red and white tiles on the walls and on the floor that are bright and shiny and always look new. But also after three years, you just can't get them as clean as they used to be. After five years, your girlfriend smells like the candy store. So you dump her and get a new girlfriend. She also smells like the candy store. You decide you're going to go to Carabas and get your filet Brian steak because that's the best steak in the world. But uh, it smells and tastes like the candy store. You finally decide you're going to burn your clothes because you've washed them 12 times and they still smell like the candy store. You burn them. And the ashes smell like the candy store. At seven years, this job sucks. Hmm. This is the worst job in the world. How come? I mean, there's other high, you're not the only high wizard. There's between two and five in the world. The number could be as low as one or as high as 10. So at some point, there's nine other high wizards in the world. How come you got to go to Bohemian Grove every day? It's actually open four times a year. People only know about one. So it's open in May, in July, in August, and October. How come I got to go all four times? How come when private people, billionaires, rent it out, you have to be the one that goes? How come I got to meet with a king or a queen of some island? There's nine other people like me that can go why I got to do it I don't want to meet with the president of the United States again I don't want to meet with a bunch of rock stars everybody just wants they just want they want they want how come I got to give now imagine that you don't have this job for seven years though you have it for 12 you are near suicidal 
But there's three ways to leave a satanic covenant. You're the high wizard. You can commit suicide. You can be murdered. Or you can die of natural causes. Let's go back to being 13 years old when I signed my soul away to the devil. If I die by any method, I'm going to end up in hell. I don't want to end up in hell. So I plot an escape. And I do it. I pull it off. I left everything behind. And I caught a bus ride, eventually, into Canada. And I got rejected at the border. I don't know why I thought the devil wouldn't be in Canada, but I thought I was going to escape. <laughs> that didn't work. They rejected me at the border, and they sent me on my merry way. Wherever I wanted to go, I could go. So the bus, actually, I was on Greyhound. I went to Oklahoma. And I stayed in Oklahoma for three years. Pretty much lived off the grid for a little bit. And then kind of integrated myself back into normal society. Now, there um, in Oklahoma, they're like the belt buckle of the Bible belt. Um, if you want to do a magic spell, you better not tell anybody. You can do it in your house, but you better do it in the bedroom of your house and keep the door closed and the windows closed. You know, the drapes locked. You know, everything's got, no one can know you're doing this. But I was addicted to magic and couldn't stop, so I kept doing that. After three years of being there, I plotted an escape again. This time I owned a car, though. I was going to drive into Canada. I got rejected at the border again. And I was like, all right. But a friend told me there's a border crossing near Vermont, and there's no border guard there. I can just drive right across. I'll be in Canada. And I was like, cool, I'm going that way. On the way there, I got really sleepy. I mean, just super sleepy. And so I pulled over at a rest stop and I took a nap. And I planned on taking a nap, but when I woke up, it was the next day. No big deal. I'm still on course. As I crossed the border, this border guard pulled me over. And he searched my car, top to bottom, inside and out. And while he's doing that, he's explaining to me that he's been trying to be a border guard for three years. And today is his very first day on the job. <laughs> and I thought, oh, look at that. God still got a sense of humor. <laughs> and uh, so he rejected me at the border. And I was worth about $18 and had half a tank of gas. So I drove to Burlington, Vermont. Not for any particular reason. I, I spent the night again at another rest stop. And some guy that was at the rest stop saw some of the bumper stickers on my car and talked to me and then um, asked me where I was going. I said, I don't have a destination, but I'm almost out of money and gas. And he told me about Burlington, Vermont, and I thought, what have I got to lose? So I went there. Uh, it turned out that in Burlington, Vermont, Vermont is in travel magazines, is called the least religious state in the nation. That, that's one of their selling points, a reason to come to Vermont. And when they mean least religion, religious, they, they don't mean um, religious per se. They mean least Christian. Yeah. And you can be a pagan there. They have a school there where if you want to learn to be a druid, you can. 
They have two schools that will teach you how to be a shaman. You know, anything you want to learn to do that's pagan and magic related, come to Vermont. So I thought I'll fit in. And I did. I made a lot of friends. I fit in. And um, I, I moved there in March of 2003. And in January of 2008, I was working in a, uh, a jewelry kiosk called Piercing Pagoda. And uh, this woman came up. She was looking for a pair of gold hoop earrings. And I showed her the perfect pair. She said, well, actually, I'm shopping with my daughter. And when I'm done, I'll come back. Now, everybody that says that means I'm going to go find it cheaper someplace else. Yeah. But she had an honest face. She had a face that said she was really coming back. And three hours later, she came back. And so we did the transaction. At the end of it, I said, we're having a promotion right now. If you call the 800 number on this receipt and take a survey, you might win $1,000. And she says, that's wonderful. I've got something for you, too. I thought, oh, my gosh, no. Something about the way I look says I need saving. <laughs> and I know she's going to pull out like a Jack Chick pamphlet tell me that I'm sinning and I need to drop to my knees and blah, blah, blah. All stuff I can't do because I sold my soul to the devil when I was 13. But I'm going to do like the devil. I'm going to be 99% truth and 1% lie. I'm going to tell her, you know, it's that 1% lie that negates everything he just said. But, you know, it sounds truthful. I'm going to swear I'm going to read the pamphlet. I'm going to read the cover. And when she turns her back, I'm going to throw it in the trash. And instead, she pulls out a little gold disc, a little cheap-covered piece of tin. I'm like, well, that's different. I have no idea what this thing is. And then she says, the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. Now, let me qualify that. I partied with rock stars for 12 years. You take somebody that can write poetry or write songs and then feed them unlimited booze and drugs <laughs> and they will say the weirdest stuff you know people that doubt that turn on your radio listen to a top 40 station listen to what the kids are listening to today and tell me that ain't strange you know to put that in perspective in 19 i think it was 1999 it was a hit song. It wasn't just the hit song of the week or of the month or of the quarter, but of the year. It was the top song. Everybody had this song on their radio. Everybody had it on their MP3 player. Everybody had the CD. Everybody loved this song. If you cranked it up, everybody enjoyed Bow It to Bob by Kid Rock. He's from our area. This is, this is his, his breakout song. This is the number one song he ever did. Everybody loved this song. But the chorus of that song is bow to ba, dang to dang, diggy diggy, up jump the boogie. That's the best you could do. <laughs> Hmm. <laughs>
you know, and we we don't really have room to laugh because we made it number one. Yeah, that meant that every other artist sucked worse than that because <laughs> he was the number one song of the year. So what this woman said to me was weirder than that. <laughs> she said, the Blessed Mother is calling you into her army. I grew up Baptist. How many titles do we have for Mary? None. How many names do we have for her? Mary. Yeah. <laughs> What'd she do in the Bible? She gave birth to Jesus. What else did she do? Nothing. Now, I have learned since then that there was the wedding at Cana where she said, do whatever he tells you to do, yeah. which is what she says in real life, and that her and Joseph fled to Egypt. But in my Baptist church, we didn't get either one of those stories. That's crazy. We heard about her every Christmas. So when they said the Blessed Mother's calling you into her army, I'm like, Isis? <laughs> Gaia? Aphrodite? I no idea. And then she says it's very powerful. Christians don't bless anything. This woman represents some female deity cult. I'm not interested. I came from a big cult. But so many cults around the world are connected, and a lot of them don't know it. So, you know, I'm still... And, and I knew back then I could touch anything that's been used in a magic spell, and I could tell you that was used in a protection spell. That was used in a death spell. Your friend found that at Salvation Army or Goodwill and made up a story about it and told you a lie. <laughs> so I stuck my hand out, and she dropped it in my hand. Now, my plans, I'm going to clench my fist around it, feel that it's powerless. I'm going to toss it on my floor or slam it on my counter, tell her it's worthless. I clenched my fist around it, except when I did that, my store and my mall, which was not small, completely disappeared. Hmm. I'm standing in a darkened void. It is me and this woman that gave me the medal. She tells me about the magic spell I did the night before that no one knows I did. And she tells me, and that's of the devil. She tells me that I've committed over a hundred abortions and that's of the devil. And I've helped split over a hundred churches and that's of the devil. Hmm. She tells me about nine or 10 other sins that I've committed that no one knows I did. And she ends all of them with, and that's of the devil. Now let's go back to there's between one and 10 high wizards in the world. Out of 7.2 billion people, I could have been the only one high wizard. I did not have the magical power. Now, I'm at the top of my game as a high wizard. But at the top of my game, I did not have the power to give somebody a worthless gold-colored piece of tin, transport both of us to a darkened void, hmm. and know all your sins. Her magic is stronger than mine. I do not know how she's doing what she's doing, but I'm terrified. Now, what it is I'm holding is called the Miraculous Medal. I have no idea what that is. Then she says again, the Blessed Mother is calling you into her army. And this was another strange revelation. In that moment, I realized 
that the Blessed Mother is the Mother of God. I'm a former Baptist who'd rather shoot ourselves in the face with a shotgun than say Mother of God. <laughs> when I realized it's the Mother of God, Mary showed up. She smiled at me, a smile I knew I did not deserve. She took me by the hand that had the medal in it, and she turned me around. Jesus was standing behind me. I knew in that instant I had not sold my soul to the devil. I knew that Jesus Christ was my Lord and Savior. I knew that all my magic, my occult, my Satanism, and my New Age was all crap. It was all false. And I knew that everything Catholic is true. And the Blessed Mother told me that my job was to help her end abortion. I opened my hand. I was back in my store. Huh. Back in my mall. This woman that was talking to me told me where she went to Mass, and I started going there the next day. That was in January of 08. I officially entered the church in May of 08. I was with, she was with the St. Raphael Healing Oil Ministry, Father Joe Whalen, who's now deceased. Um, I worked with them for about a year and a half, and then I felt God wanted me to start my own ministry, so I started All Saints Ministry, and um, I've been with them ever since. And I have traveled all over the world. I speak everywhere. Um, I also do a lot of consulting, I do a lot of consulting actually with priests and exorcists around the world. And, um, you know, fight the devil wherever I can. Well, welcome to the army. <laughs> that is crazy. That is intense. <laughs> I've got so many questions. <laughs> At, um... When I do my talks, a lot of times when I do my talks, they open me up. They do like, we're going to do a talk for 45 minutes and give you 15 minutes Q&A. You know, and I said, you know, really, I can customize my talk to be any length. Yeah. So really, you should give me 15 minutes to talk and 45 minutes for a Q&A because everybody lives and dies for the Q&A. Yeah. Dang. Ugh. What's Jesus look like? <laughs> the Jesus that I saw was Divine Mercy Jesus. So he has red and white uh, rays of light um, coming out of his chest. You know, for when I saw that, I had these rays of light going around me, over me, through me. Um, he looked like he was still 33 years old. And that's a, that's a pretty good gene pool to... <laughs> <laughs> still look like he's 33 um he's got dark brown hair but he's also got light brown and then he's got some wisps of blonde uh, still pretty long and then the underside near his neck it looked like he had some dreads huh and he still dresses like you would imagine he'd be dressed 2000 years ago like in a robe or a tunic or right yeah, it was kind of greenish white, and he had the um, his hands were outstretched, and he still had the nail marks in his hands. Wow, we have talked a lot about Jesus on this podcast, but have never gotten a description from somebody who says they've seen him. 
That is incredible. Anna had felt um, huh. love and mercy that I had never felt and joy. That, that's interesting, too. So all of your sins were completely outed, and the feeling you're left with is love, mercy, and joy. Well, you know, when um, before you come into the church, you have to do a life confession. And, you know, so it's all the sins you can remember. Hmm. And uh, the priest told me, you know, yes, I know I've said you have to say everything, but this doesn't have to be Ivanhoe or War and Peace. You know, we don't have to be at the confessional for three hours. Yeah. You know, just use the Ten Commandments to condense, you know, and just do your best. And, you know, I'd never been in a state of grace before. And um, so it took me about 10 minutes. And then. You know, he prayed over me and gave me absolution for the first time. And I did not realize the weight of my sin until I no longer had it. Hmm. It was an incredible feeling. It was, I felt like I was floating after that. You know, I finally got my wish to levitate. <laughs> that That's cool. Because uh, I was just about to ask you, do you ever get to fly? <laughs> no, no, awesome. I, I won't. I, I got to levitate a couple of times as a Satanist, but... Um, Nothing like having the weight of your sin lifted off your shoulders. Right. That's right. incredible. Oh, my goodness. I know. My mind's kind of blown. This is this is one of the most intriguing interviews we've ever done. You said you broke up over 100 churches? Yeah. There's um, three teams that travel the world that attack churches. Um, there's, we attack the Baptist church. Well, okay, let me see. I had to back up a little bit. Think of the attacks happen. There's three houses. So, and each house is backed up to the other. And then there's privacy fences up. So each house thinks they're the only house. So one house attacked the Baptist church, which no longer gets attacked. They stopped getting their attack in the late nineties. Um, one attacks the, the Catholic Church, and <laughs> they still get attacked. Yeah. And then the house on the end puts out uh, materials like on um, atheists or socialists or communism, um, and it's all pro. You know, it's like all these things are positive, New Age topics. Um, so that that's called uh, passive attack. You know, so they put out movies, books, literature, speakers. Um, you know, a lot of times when you go see uh, a debate between a theologian and an atheist, what you don't realize is that the atheist is a Satanist. Hmm. His job is to get people to go to hell. I mean, the devil, being egotistical as he is, um, ideally in a perfect world, everybody would worship him. But since he can't have that, his goal is not to get you to worship him. It's to get you to not worship God. It's to pull you away. So, Right, to pull you away. So, I mean, he doesn't just have to make you a Satanist. He can make you an atheist where you don't believe in God. Or he can give you tens of thousands of New Age religions. So there's no accountability for your sin. Everything's happy. 
Everybody that dies goes to a happy place. There's no hell. Yeah, so even, I mean, Jehovah's Witnesses, hmm. yeah, they don't believe in hell. They don't even believe that Jesus is God. Yeah. You know, they believe that Jesus is St. Michael, the Archangel. Hmm. That could be a whole that could be a whole other show. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> I feel like a lot of stuff we could elaborate on. Oh man. So we, we, we are at about two hours into our conversation according to the, the time recorder. Um, and and to the people that wonder, well, you know, are are there any famous rock stars? I don't name drop people that I did things for, but I mean, if you look on YouTube, there's an interview with Bob Dylan on 60 Minutes where he says he sold his soul to the devil. It's... There's there's a documentary on Netflix that's uh, Gaga 5.2 where she talks about uh, fibromyalgia and arthritis and body pain that she has. Yeah, my wife but, and I were just um, watching that last night. Did you watch the the special features from that no just what's on netflix and we didn't finish the whole okay. thing. we only got like 30 it, minutes in in her special features from that she admits that she sold her soul to the illuminati and she wants to get an exorcism and she says that katie perry did the same thing if you go on youtube and look up katie perry uh look up katie perry sold her soul to the devil there's an interview where she says she wanted to be the next Amy Grant. Her parents were evangelicals. Yeah. She traveled with them and she wanted to be the next Amy Grant, but that failed. So she sold her soul to the devil. Yeah, I feel like there's there's tons of videos where a lot of artists right. would say that, but they almost like some of them sound terrified. Like uh, I think Michael Jackson was one of them who right. who was not happy about it. Um, but others almost like they kind of laugh it off like a joke, sort of like, oh, yeah, we're, we're this famous because, you know, we sold our soul to the devil. But you make me wonder if they're just saying that in jest because it's actually true. I don't know. Well, I did it with probably about 1200 artists. Oh, that's crazy. So like the big thing right now that I'm I mean, Maybe I'm less into music than I was, you know, at the impressionable age, you know, your teens and stuff. But uh, my kids watch like kids YouTube and a lot of the YouTube stars. Like I heard one of my kids mention the Illuminati. I'm like, you're eight. How do you know what the Illuminati is? <laughs> and he's like, well, I saw it in this video. And so even in these videos, they're talking about the Illuminati Right. It has well, nothing even to do with taco, what the, the video is about. The video could be selling a video game, but uh, Taco Bell did the Illuminati commercial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just tons of stuff like that where the Illuminati works itself to the surface. I don't know. Who who did the song a few years ago? Die Young. I don't know. I can't. Yeah, I can't and, think of the lyrics off the top of my head. It, it sounds like such a happy, upbeat song, but if you watch the video, it's filled with sex orgies and Illuminati symbolism. Hmm. Oh goodness! <laughs> oh man! And you say you said that Satan doesn't attack the Baptist Church anymore? 
not like not in an organized way like it used to. Okay. So, so what what um what would happen? There's three teams that would travel the world, and there's three types of attack. There's a a monetary attack, like a monetary scandal of some kind, like a you know a tithing disappears. Yeah. You know, now in some churches, a two hundred dollar tithing for this for the Sunday would devastate the church. Yeah, for sure. But in in some churches, that would be twenty thousand dollars. Yeah. That would devastate the church. Um, you know, so there's a monetary scandal of some kind, which may not have anything to do with the tithe. But, you know, there'd be, there's money taken in for a lot of things. And it may take 12 years for somebody to notice that money has been pilfered out somehow. But when it happens, a lot of times it's a satanic group that's done it. Hmm. Um, the other scandal is a sex scandal. And it's like a 15 or 16 year old girl had sex with the minister of youth, minister of music, actual pastor assistant pastor, associate pastor, you know, something like that. And that's a very common, but a lot of times when that happens, that 15 or 16 year old girl was born into a life of Satanism and has known her entire life. That was going to be her scandal. She was going to do that. And that, that's her job. And then the other scandal is gossip. That was my team scandal. You're really good at it, you know, and it's um you come into the church presenting yourself as something you're not um in my baptist church and in a lot of baptist churches they're run by committees so you know and there's a committee there for everything you know any function there could be at that church there's a committee for it and um so you try and get on one of the important committees and you know once you get on board with that then you hang out with the president for a day, the vice president on another day, learn how they say things, the nuances of how they say things. I mean, your assistant might say, the the vice president might say, well, you know, he's a lazy, shiftless bastard, but it's all good. Yeah. Well, so then you go to the president and tell him something the guy said. You make up a total, total story. It's a, it's a complete lie. But you end it with, but it's all good. Now the president knows, oh, but that guy did say that because he just said it the way he says stuff. Hmm. He says something else. And you take that back to the vice president. You don't tell him the truth, though. You lie about it. What you're counting on in all this is that they're not going to call each other behind your back because you're saying, hey, I'm new here and I don't want to cause any trouble, which is a lie. You know, you're there and totally to, to start trouble. And, uh, you know, please don't tell him anything because I'm new. And if you say something, he'll know it came from me. You count on that none of these people are going to rat you out. Once you have these guys warring factions, then you drag in the rest of the committee. When everything is going really good, now you go to the Baptist preacher and you let him know you're new here. You don't want to cause any problems. But this is what you're hearing. And then you tell the pastor your 99% truth and 1% lie is with him. You tell him everything that everybody has said and everything you've said. The 1% lie that you leave out is that you're there to split his church. 
but you tell him everything else. Now, if he is a good leader of his flock, he's going to go behind your back and he's going to confirm everything you said is true. And then, and this is what the devil counts on. The devil is not new. He did not fall off the turnip truck yesterday. He knows. He sets this scenario up that everything would be fine if the president would step down. If the president would step down and the vice president filled the shoes, that would eliminate all the problems. It's intentionally set up that way. However, when he goes and presents that to the president, the president knows election was a popularity contest. He's the most popular. He ain't going nowhere. And what that does is that that makes the vice president realize if he stepped down, I would be president. But he's not stepping down. He doesn't have the best interest of the church in mind. So the vice president steps away from the committee, which causes a committee split. There's overwhelming evidence that if the committee splits, the church will split. The vice president might leave the church. And if he leaves the church, a large percentage of those people will leave with him. Hmm. Their goal is to start a new church someplace else. <laughs> now, if that church is going in a year, it's pretty much just going to be successful on some level. If it's not going in a year, it's probably never going to go. The people that leave have a bad taste in their mouth about religion. They're most likely not going to be reabsorbed into another church. Hmm. You're just going to quit going to church. Yeah. The people that are left at that original church, that church is never going to grow from what it was. There's a scandal attached to the church. And the people that left, their church is never going to grow beyond the people they took because there's a scandal attached to them as well. And the Satanists that were there that orchestrated all this, they're allowed to leave. No one's suspicious of them because half the church has already left. And then you just move on to another church and do it there again. That's crazy. <laughs> so this just like this was just like a hobby for you. It's it's a hot the, the teams are pretty big. You know, this isn't like a team of six guys that, that travel the United States. I mean, if you look at Google search how many Baptist churches there are just in the United States, it's a crazy number. Yeah. Especially because there's not just one Baptist church. Yeah. You know, like I was a member of Southern Baptist, but that wasn't the only Baptist church we attacked. And Baptist churches come in all sizes. I mean, you could you could get a congregation of six people. You could also get a congregation of, of tens of thousands. And the Baptist religion is all over the world. Yeah, in my township alone, there's 30 churches. There's one Catholic church. There's probably 50% of those churches are splits of splits of splits of Baptist churches or evangelical churches of some some sort of nature. Yeah, when I did a talk in uh, New Jersey, I think is two thousand either two thousand fourteen or two thousand fifteen, 
And I had talked about, I'm going to do a lot of detail of how we split it, how we split churches. And, um, when I was walking through the parking lot, we were heading out to dinner and uh, the priest said, that part of your con, that part of your conversion story was perfect. He says, my, my church needed to hear that. And I said, why? It's the Catholic church. And he says, well, when this church started out, it was huge. It was one church in this diocese. And gossip got in and split the church into two churches. Yeah. And then gossip went into one of those and split it. And there was three churches. And then gossip went into one of those and split it. And now there's four churches. And right now, gossip is going through that church again. And I fear we're going to have five churches. And they're using the same methods that you described, your team used. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I would, when I think of like, you know, a church split or something like that, I would think, you know, of course, we battle a much higher power, you know, we, we battle the invisible, but I would never think the invisible would take the form of a really organized, specific attack. Well, you know, I'm sure there's somebody that's listening to this, this message that, wonders um how how many satanists there are in the world or how many organizations there are things like that um you know the most famous uh the two most famous churches right now i would think would be uh the satanic temple which has the after school satan program around the united states and has one of the one of their um headquarters is based in Salem, Massachusetts. And you can Google search pictures of Katy Perry there having her picture taken. Uh, they're the ones that are, that are doing the, the organized black masses around the country. You know, like Oklahoma City keeps having them. Mm-hmm. And uh, was it Yale or Harvard, one of those two, um, tried to have a black mass a few years ago. And, you know, the Satanic Temple is also moving the the Baphomet statue keeps taking and taking it to different courthouses around the country and displaying it, you know, so it's in opposition to the Ten Commandments, you know, so that they've gained quite a bit of popularity. I did a video recently on um, a program in Arizona where it was called Menstruation of Satan, and it was the Satanic Temple got together with the YWCA in Arizona to gather feminine hygiene products for young girls. So collected by Satanists and given to the YWCA. And then if you go to their website, it showed a Baphomet statue next to a cross. <laughs> that is pretty messed up. <laughs> that, that is pretty messed up. Yeah. And I was like, in what world do we live in where... Satan and Jesus joined forces, and we don't hear about it anywhere. I only heard about it because somebody called me and told me. And then I looked it up. I thought, there's no way this is real. And I looked it up, and it was real. It was legit. Hmm. So, so you know, the Satanic Temple is, is fairly popular now. And the first Church of Satan, which was sung about by the Eagles, uh, Hotel California is a song about that. Yeah. And, um, and then, I mean, that's Anton LaVey 
it was his church. And I mean, that's pretty popular. He made that. And Sammy Davis Jr. was a member of that. Uh, so I mean, that, that was pretty mainstream back in the 60s and 70s. And that church is still going. And, um, but there's probably, probably about 10,000 covens worldwide. And how many members there are overall? The OTO is another, uh, Ordi Templis Orianti. They're one of the biggest cults in the world. And I mean, you can still buy, you can buy t-shirts that look like the rock and roll t-shirts that advertise the OTO. Um, Alistair Crowley was their most famous member. Um, oh, what's his name? What's the, uh, the black singer? Hip hop artist, but also has a clothing line. Jay Z. <laughs> if Alex and I both know it, then it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I've heard also, if you read it on the internet, it's true. Um, so in his clothing line, he quotes Aleister Crowley on the labels. Huh. And Aleister Crowley was known as 666 the Beast and the Wickedest Man in the World. Yeah, I, this I is just... your role model. This is who you put on your clothes. So, um, yeah, so the OTO is pretty popular. And, um, but my coven did a uh, census back in 1989, I think. And 1989, they had 1.1 million members around the world. Mm-hmm. That's one coven. That means there's more than 1.1 million Satanists because there's that many in just one coven. But, you know, the, the devil is very flexible. Um, you know, if you started a coven and you know no one would follow what you wanted to do and you decided, well, screw all y'all, I'm going to be in a coven of my own, you can do that. That makes you the high priest. And there you go. You got your own, you got your coven of one, hmm. which is a lot of covens. I mean, it, it was a, a survey came out a few years ago and I don't remember who put it out, but it was taken at a high school. And I don't know if they did it in multiple high schools or just one, but in it, 40% of the high schools said they were Satanists. Hmm. Uh, I know what Alex and I are going to do. We're going to organize. And we're gonna break into covens, and we're gonna start. <laughs> we're gonna start spreading Jesus. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna attack them with gossip, and we're gonna get. <laughs> I don't know if Jesus could attack with gossip. <laughs> <laughs> we'll kill him with G- kindness. Jesus is. You going? This is the trickiest trick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we've been on this phone call for almost. Almost two, well, over two hours now, and my phone is about to die. It's so close. Uh, Zach, thank you so much for coming on our show and scaring us a little bit, but then also also sharing some awesome stuff um, about Jesus and the weight of your sin being lifted off your shoulders. That's that's awesome. Where can people find more stuff about your um, ministries and your, your books? Um, allsaintsministry.org. Currently, my um, my somebody complained about my store site 
having the word abortion oh, yeah, you mentioned products. So um, my store site shut down. But, you know, if you want to email me, we have a list of products. Um, most of our stuff is warning you against stuff not to do. But then I do have um, CDs that talk about my life. And then my abortion CD set and my book, where we've shut down 39 abortion clinics around the world so far. Um, you know, and we'd love to shut down as many as we can. We'd love to shut them all down. Yeah. So, you know, anybody that wants to, to do stuff, you know, like that, then please contact us. Um, allsaintsministry.org. And my email address is there, and my phone number is there. Well, you can Google search my phone number. It's everywhere. Awesome, Zach. Well, thank you again so much for coming on the show. And Thanks for having me. You, you've left me scared, but also <laughs> glad to know that you can't out-sin, the, out-sin uh, Jesus. Jesus will find you, and he'll, he'll recruit you to the Mary's army, the Blessed Mother's Absolute, army. Absolutely. That's absolutely. Awesome. Thanks, Zach. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. Have a good one, buddy. Bye. All right. You too. Have a good night. That might be the most interesting yet frightening interview that we've uh, ever done. Oh, Alex, do you believe him? That is a, tr- a tough question. Gosh, that's a tough question. I can see where there would be skeptics out there that would say, no, I, I don't believe a word he just said. That's all just a, a very made up, very well made up story. Very well. Here's where I land. Some of it may not be true. I don't know. But he seems pretty convinced from the way he talks about it. Yeah. And if 1% of it is true, that just makes me want to cling to Jesus that much more that that kind of darkness is out there. Dark. (laughs) Dude. That. I mean, I got to say, like, his, um, his pictures of who Satan is, his picture of sin, and, like, his, like, inability inability to make himself clean from his own sin until he met Jesus. Yeah. Like it was spot on. It was perfect. Very biblical. Like, yeah. For somebody who, you know, grew up a Satanist and it's not like he, it's not like he like left the satanic cult and said, I need Jesus. I got to find Jesus. No, he was still skeptical as ever until the mother Mary (laughs) The Blessed Mother's Army. Yeah. And dude, when I when I said, oh, what did Jesus look like? He didn't miss a beat. <laughs> he did not miss a beat. He just like immediately started describing Jesus. I, I thought that was insane. That was that was pretty pretty insane. I I'm I'm still I'm still processing. Yeah. Like I don't Again, some of that stuff was really hard to hear, but at the same time. I'm glad he came on the podcast because even it, some of that stuff has got to be true. 
some of it has to be. There's a part of me that's like, I don't know if I believe 100%, but there's a part of me that's like, I, I believe some of it. And if some of it is true, then there is a darkness out there. Yeah. And he, you can- he, he didn't get into it specifically. Well, he started talking about performing the abortions. Yeah. I've heard different interviews where he goes into detail about what he did. And it is Alex, dude, is too dark. Like, I, I wasn't about to let him explain it on our show. If, if you want, you can uh, visit his website. We'll have a link in the show description. You can email him because apparently that's the only way you can now get a copy of his abortion talks. And I will say this. I highly do not recommend them. <laughs> Because there's I, just cer- certain things you can't unhear and you can't unsee. I'm telling you, it's his descriptions are too they're too graphic. They're extremely dark. You would have to really want to hear them. Outside of I like I honestly I can't. It's too dark. I can't recommend it. Yeah, no, but I I do recommend this interview. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> please subscribe. Leave us a one star review. Oh, yeah, that happens sometimes. Yeah. Anyway, Jason, so Satan is real. Yeah. Oh, Ada's Ada's coming down to say hi. Are you going tonight? Hi. Hi, sweetheart. (laughs) Do you want to sing a song for us? You want to sing a song on the microphone? Oh, you hurt your neck. Uh oh. You want to sing a song? That was a monster. Right here. Is a monster? This is a. It's your daddy's street shark. Yeah, I got a boo boo. I got a boo boo. Ada Ryman, everybody. Yep. I got a boo boo. The one and only. Yeah, that was good. That was a Ada, yeah. can you can you go back upstairs and see Mama? You want to sing a song? You want to sing a song? Come here, sing a song. Do you want to sing a song? You and I share the same microphone. You want to sing a song? What do you, do you want to sing? Frozen? No, you got to sing into this mic. Sing it, sing into your daddy's mic. You gotta sing into this one. I don't need that pop filter. Moving the pop filter like a pro. Here, sing. (laughs) Changed your mind. Ada, Ada, can you go upstairs, please, sweetheart? Well, you you didn't sing when I asked you to, so can you go upstairs and see Mama? Night, Ada. Bye. I love you. <laughs> Bye. I'll see you tomorrow. I just melted. Oh my gosh, she's so adorable. Uh, 
So where were we? You were talking about Satan. You yeah. Getting heavy into it. <laughs> and then my daughter <laughs> came in and kind of wrecked my train of thought. But, I mean, she's adorable. Yeah. She is all about Frozen right now. <laughs> and uh, when she sings, she goes complete with the hand motions. Yes, she does. It's she, amazing. She's going to be a little performer one day. Um, anyway, so no... I really want to hear people's feedback on this. Do you believe them? Does this does this make you believe more in the the idea that there's a dark side to this whole spiritual realm, and that what Ephesians says about wrestling with not flesh and blood, but powers and principalities? Is that is that do these stories make you think that way now more than ever? Uh, for me, yes. And Jason, I know for you personally, you're you're you went home and burned all your Harry Potter stuff. No, I didn't. <laughs> but he did kind of ruin Harry Potter. The other thing that that was blowing my mind was the intentionality behind it. Like he was intentionally going into churches and destroying them. Yeah. Wow. Like we hear the word heretic or wolf in sheep's clothing thrown around like flippantly all the time. We just like use it to stab each other Yeah, when, you know, we don't agree with certain things. But here you have, like, an actual guy with an actual team of people going into actual small churches and purposefully splitting it. The sole intention is just to split them. That's it. Oh, man. Like, that's a, that's a thing. That's real. So if nothing else is real at all, if nothing else he said was real, that alone was just like, that to me that was so believable. Yeah, we just go in and we start gossip and just crush the whole thing. Our money. Dude, we hear about that all the time. Yeah. We hear about churches getting money stolen all the time. Our sex scandals. Like, those are the three, like, rooms of the house. And just, like, Ah. just shut it down. Could you imagine you're a pastor and you have put your entire life into a ministry. And then this guy walks in one day, looks seemingly normal and just because he hates God just crushes the whole thing right out from underneath of you. That's why shepherds got to be vigilant. I just think of like, uh, was it Tommy boy when the deer rips up the car or no, I think we did this like last week too. Like what the hell just happened? Sorry about your car, man. That that sucks. Yeah. Oh man. They just uh, awaken like a deer and just rip that thing apart. Oh my gosh, that is a terrible analogy. But Jason, you got some feedback. Well, yeah, I asked for feedback. I I asked at the beginning of the NHL season. You know, hit us up, your favorite team or whatever, or leave a gif or a gif or peanut butter choosing moms choose jiff yeah Jason. like who's your favorite team and we got a couple people who respond to that rocky glenn let's go preds okay i'm not gonna i'm not gonna disagree they with might you. be my favorite team in the western conference they've, they've got a good lineup i expect big things huge carrie jellick says does any team other team matter asking for a friend and no it's just the red wings it's red wings all the time and then Stephen cuffle Okay, Steven, what's up? This a-hole. <laughs> Never mind. We disown you. Leaves a gif of Sidney Crosby at the Joe lifting the cup. Fuck you, dude. <laughs> <laughs> From 2009. It's like, 
open wound, insert salt. Like, like, I got so mad when I saw that. So you're a jerk, Stephen Cuffel. Big jerk. Um, Suzanne, <laughs> are you, what are you doing? I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing with my life anymore. Suzanne DeWitt Hall, she says, so glad to have found your podcast. Turns out we have some mutual Twitter friends. Would love to chat with you about my devotionals, which are designed to help and heal. Hashtag evangelical hearts and minds about LGBTQ issues. Meanwhile, and she throws up a gif of Brad Marchand. Brad Marchand is a jerk. He um, he's a goon. He is the pure definition of a goon. Like already, they were getting blown out like first or second game of the season. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were playing the Capitals, and Lars Eller scored a goal because I watch a lot of hockey, so I know all this. And celebrated a little bit too much, and Brad Marchand went over and just like sucker punched him, just like started started a fight because you know they were losing bad and. That's what you do. Yeah. I only like it when Darren McCarty does it. Hold on. Going back so you can get even more. That's what Stephen Cuffle. That's the gift he left us. That jerk. And just, I told him, I almost paid $415 to go watch that game at the Joe. I'm glad I didn't. I would have cried in person. And then Andy Laura says, watched D1. He's a Mighty, he's a Mighty Ducks fan. Nice. Uh, watched D1 last night in pre- preparation. At the Ducks coach is going to have his big comeback this year. <laughs> you know what would be the best? The best, like, just publicity stunt is if Emilio Estevez was on the bench with the Ducks. <laughs> <laughs> that would be awesome. That would be, he just shows up as just the assistant coach for the yeah. night. That would be epic. That They may become my second favorite team if they do that. Emilio. Emilio! I said, you know, I thought he'd get all big time and then, like, start, you know, get the haircut and the promotion deals and just turn into a big, terrible coach. And Andy says the dentist worked that out already, humbling with him, humbling him with an unapologetic slash to the bad knee. Bombay is flying V. <laughs> like, duck be duck. Power ready. Hashtag quack, quack, quack. (laughs) And then Gordon Bombay himself. There's more. Tweets back at us with a gif. It's a fake account, but still hilarious that somebody would go to the time to make at the Ducks coach Gordon Bombay. (laughs) And... He's got a he's got a gift that he left us that said defeated the Hawks, donning the greatest hockey trilogy of all time. Uh, good stuff there. And then I can't pronounce this guy's name, Chase. What do, what would you say? Cough, cough. I Co- can't cough. Yeah, we'll just go with that. At the Chase K, he says I rock this 2002 mint condition Wings Champions tee. Every opening week and during the final. Yes. Then he sends us a picture. I dedicate this season to the late Osgood, the cat. May he rest in peace. He's got a picture of his cat. He named Osgood. That is a perfect name. Yes. For a cat. Osgood? Yes, absolutely. So, I mean, hopefully um, the Wings can, you know, win a game here because we're... We're not doing too good, Jason. No, it's it's looking worse than I thought. 
a lot worse. But <sighs> again, it's the curse. It's the curse of the preseason. But yeah. Jason, this maybe we can consult. You know. No, we're not going to consult Satan and demons <laughs> to get our, our team to win the Stanley yeah, Cup. It's want, not worth it. Yeah, it's not worth it. I don't it. want that either. So, Jason, I yeah. have the best bit of advice for the Red Wings. Mm-hmm. When they go into the locker room after their game and they're just in total defeat because they just lost again 8-2 to to by <sighs> another team, just go up to the mirror and say, Bloody Mary. <laughs> Bloody Mary. No, we just said no. Beetlejuice. No. 